from TomDispatch.com. This is TomCast. Interviews and insight from Tom Dispatch contributors for anyone seeking a deeper understanding of our post-9-11 world and a clear sense of how our global imperial system actually works. I'm Timothy McBain. Recently, I had the pleasure of speaking again with Chase Madar, a New York-based attorney and author of The Passion of Bradley Manning, which was just released by OR Books. In part one of our two-part podcast, Madar debunks three commonly held misconceptions about the case of private first-class Bradley Manning. In my book, I do a lot more than bitch and moan and keen and wail about the horrible injustice of this case, although there's plenty of that. I also try to get at what is surprising and what is genuinely disturbing that even well-informed readers may not have a sense of. Bradley Manning is the young army private from Crescent, Oklahoma, who is accused of being the inside source in the U.S. military for all of the juiciest WikiLeaks. And he is accused of leaking about half a million classified documents to WikiLeaks. His court-martial will probably take place in the fall. Now, there are a number of received ideas about Bradley Manning and WikiLeaks that come out even in, in very good reporting about the case. And I explode these received ideas in my book, and I'm going to go through them very quickly, just a few of them. You often hear that Bradley Manning uncovered war crimes, thinking of that horrible helicopter video that shows a U.S. Apache gunship shooting into a crowd in a Baghdad suburb in July 2007. You also often hear that Bradley Manning has been treated like an enemy combatant since he was captured and and imprisoned at the Quantico Brig in Virginia, nine months in the strictest solitary confinement. And you also often hear that Manning and WikiLeaks are a bunch of utopian idealists in search of total transparency. All three of these contentions are false. They're false in interesting ways. First of all, the notion that Bradley Manning uncovered war crimes, this is easy to understand why people are saying this when you see that horrible helicopter video of the Apache gunship opening fire on a crowd of mostly civilians, including two Reuters news agency employees, killing over a dozen people. You see that, you think it has to be a war crime. But the real shocking and disturbing news about this is that the laws of war that regulate armed combat turn out to be incredibly permissive and especially lenient towards the prerogatives of an occupying army. And most analysts and experts in military law look at that video, and although they are disturbed by it and they think it's tragic, they conclude that there is nothing there that is a violation of the laws of war. And this is worth noting. This this is not a defense, by the way, of the deed. It's plainly horrible. And this is not to say that it's somehow okay or not tragic, not a big deal. It is. But I think we need to get over this liberal assumption that the laws of war are inherently virtuous and that they exist to restrain combat, to civilize war, to make for a kind of clean, hygienic war. When in fact, the real purpose of the laws of war is to privilege and protect combatants in modern armies. And the major function of the laws of war is to authorize 
and give license to military violence. That's what they do far more than restraining military violence. Now, you also often hear that Bradley Manning has been treated like an enemy combatant, and it's easy to see why. You read about the horrible way he was treated nine months in the strictest solitary confinement. Some of that time he was stripped naked in his cell. He was force-fed all kinds of antidepressants, deprived of his glasses for some of that time. And what I find most chilling is that every five minutes he had to respond to one of his jailers question that, are you okay, which would drive anyone insane after a while. These conditions really do seem like they're from some Soviet psychiatric hospital. And there's a grain of truth in seeing this as our war on terror coming home to roost inside the territory of the United States on a U.S. citizen. But what this gets wrong is that solitary confinement in America is not that exceptional. In fact, it is incredibly widespread, very common. There are 20,000 federal prisoners in long-term solitary. And there are between 50 and 80,000 state prisoners doing some form of long-term solitary. This usually goes without much protest or commentary from intellectuals, from the media, even though it is a shocking disgrace. The treatment of Bradley Manning, although certainly cruel, was usual. And this opens up the whole debate on whether or not the war on terror is influencing us at home the way we treat prisoners, or whether in fact our war on terror was just an export of our usual incredibly harsh ways of treating prisoners here at home, but taking it to more exotic, highly visible forums like Guantanamo and Abu Ghraib. And I argue, and a few other legal scholars and scholars of crime and punishment have argued, that the war on terror is really nothing but a continuation of the war on crime and the war on drugs in many significant ways. And we are kidding ourselves if we think that the war on terror is a unique blemish on an otherwise pristine and highly functional criminal justice system. Not surprisingly, many of the intellectuals who see the war on terror as having clear roots in the war on crime and war on drugs are African-American. And black intellectuals in this country are often much more sensitive to the incredible horrors and legal black holes inside our everyday criminal justice system that seems to target and punish African-Americans so much more harshly and with such disproportionate force. But the last received idea I want to explode is that Bradley Manning and WikiLeaks are a bunch of utopian idealists in search for total transparency. I think nothing could be further from the truth. What Bradley Manning is alleged to have done is not some act of utopian idealism. It is an immensely practical solution to a real problem we have. Washington currently classifies 77 million documents a year. It is really over the top, and we cannot function as a free society, as a free democracy, with this kind of intense government secrecy. We are coming off a decade of two very calamitous wars that have killed at least 140,000 civilians in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Pakistan, and killed about 8,350 soldiers and military contractors in Afghanistan and Iraq, all at a cost of some $4 trillion. Now, very few people outside of Washington would say that this has made America more secure or has enhanced American prestige or good name in the world. 
there is a direct relationship between the extreme secrecy we have in Washington and these disastrous wars in Iraq and now in Afghanistan. And what Bradley Manning is alleged to have leaked is less than 1% of what Washington classifies in any given year. Bradley Manning and WikiLeaks are doing, it's not some quest for total transparency. It is a practical and defensive move against the incredible over-the-top extreme secrecy of Washington that is stifling reasoned public debate and leading us very badly astray in our foreign policy. Now, WikiLeaks has been accused of seeking total transparency. That was the cute subhead of a New Yorker article a couple years ago. But if you read their public statements, they are quoting James Madison, the Federalist Papers. They are essentially a bunch of 18th century classical liberals who are handy with computers. I would hesitate to call them a radical organization. There's nothing even particularly left-wing about them. You never read anything about class struggle or anything like that. The belief that government should at least be partially transparent, this is not some radical utopian idea that was invented by WikiLeaks last year. In fact, it is a very old part of the American political tradition. It was James Madison who said that a popular government without popular information or the means of acquiring it is but a prologue to a farce or a tragedy, or perhaps both. This is a very old idea, and it's a very good idea. And the reason why it's been a central part of the U.S. political tradition, it's not because it's some noble ideal, but because it works. When people are well-informed, their governments make better decisions. When the government distorts information and lies to us, as it did, in Vietnam, and as it did in the past 10 years in Iraq and Afghanistan, then we make terrible, disastrous decisions at great cost to ourselves and to foreign peoples. The real problem we have today, and what's been a real threat to our national security, especially over the past 10 years, it's not whistleblowers and WikiLeaks. It is the extreme government secrecy that has deprived American citizens of our right to know and our ability to make well-informed decisions. When our government is classifying 77 million documents a year, it is no wonder that we are going so badly astray in our foreign policy and making such destructive and foolish decisions. Until this habit of extreme secrecy changes, what Bradley Manning is alleged to have done and what WikiLeaks is doing by just partially declassifying important documents about how our foreign policy is conducted and thought out. This is the solution, not the problem, and there is nothing utopian about it. Knowing what your government is doing is really not such a bad thing. Knowing what your government is doing in time of war is an absolutely essential thing. It is not a privilege for high Washington government officials. It is not a privilege for insider journalists. It is the right of every American, and more than that, it is the duty of every American. This is something that Bradley Manning believed strongly. He has a deep sense of patriotic duty, not in the kind of chest-thumping, jingoistic, nationalistic way, but of really taking responsibility for your country and, and putting your oars in the water as a citizen. And that is why he did what he is alleged to have done. To read Chase Madar's article, 
what the laws of war allow. Do the WikiLeaks war logs reveal war crimes or the poverty of international law? Please visit TomDispatch.com. You can also order his book, The Passion of Bradley Manning, in paperback or as an ebook at orbooks.com. To hear part two of my interview with Madar, in which he talks about his research for the book and the future of PFC Manning, please visit tomdispatch.blogspot.com. I'm Timothy McBain, and until we meet again, thanks for listening.